0: You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Encouragement. Hello my radio friends, welcome to the program today and I'm so glad you've tuned in these modern times in which we live can be quite depressing with environmental degradation, pandemics, extremes of climate, loss of income, social disruptions, lawlessness and life in general. Certainly what we're experiencing now is far from what God planned for mankind back at creation. On a personal level, you may have experienced health problems, loss of someone dear to you, been scammed of some of your money, or have had unwanted events or expenses thrusting themselves into your life. But this is no time for losing heart. Instead, it is a time when the words of Jesus apply. He said, as recorded in Luke 21, verse 28, And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draws near. And Jesus had been outlining conditions on earth before his second coming. And as I see it, these are the conditions we're experiencing right now. The world is not a happy place. When one is feeling unhappy or depressed, there is a tendency to hang one's head and not make eye contact with other people. But Jesus counseled instead to look up, lift up our heads because something better is about to happen. Today, I want to be like Barnabas. Barnabas is mentioned in the New Testament in Acts 4, Verses 36 and 37. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, why did the apostles in the newly formed Christian church call Joseph Barnabas, since that was not his given name? Well, back then, all names given to people had meanings. And the name Barnabas meant son of encouragement. Actually, that explanation was given in verse 36, but I deliberately skipped it when I shared the other verses with you. How did Barnabas encourage the apostles? Well, he encouraged them by his goodwill and financial support. He later went with Paul on a missionary journey preaching the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ to the Gentiles in other countries in the Mediterranean region. He himself became an evangelist with and tutored young John Mark. Life can be tough sometimes. In such times it is good to remind ourselves when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And the going was pretty tough for the new Christians in the city of Antioch. So the church leaders sent Barnabas there. Why? Well, Acts 11 verse 23 explains, When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Of Barnabas, the Bible gives this description. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Acts 11 verse 24 is the reference for that. For three and a half years, Jesus was involved in his ministry on earth before he left to go back to heaven. When he left, the disciples were sad and discouraged. However, Jesus told them that he would send the Holy Spirit, and indeed that's what happened. It's interesting that Jesus called the Holy Spirit a name similar to that of Barnabas. Here I'll read it to you from John 16.7 But I tell you the truth, for it is your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor or the King James Version says the comforter, will not come to you, but if I go away, I'll send him to you. Comforter? Yes. A comforter not only makes someone feel better about themselves in a time of sorrow or loss, but gives inspiration to go on. And certainly the disciples did get that inspiration so that before long the gospel message swept like wildfire through that Middle Eastern region. Yes, I realise that the world is a hostile place and filled with problems, and these problems are caused by sin. But this is the world we are required to live in. The world's problems sometimes impact on us, as is expressed in a short poem written by Edgar A. Guest. He says this, When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must but don't you quit. Success is failure turned inside out the silver tint on the clouds of doubt. And you can never tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems afar. So stick to the fight when you are hardest hit. It's when things go wrong that you mustn't quit. Now this reminds me of someone I once knew who was an opal miner at Coober Pedy. He had meagre funds, so, working with pick and shovel, dug a shaft, working with the hope of striking it rich. Each day, although hope was high, the reality of his situation became more and more obvious, that is, that he couldn't continue much longer. At last, in desperation, he decided to quit to sell his mining lease and get a normal job back in civilization, and that's what he did. The miner who bought the lease from him, with fresh hope and better resources, continued digging the unfinished shaft. One metre in from where the other miner stopped and gave up, the new miner hit Bonanza. He found a seam of opal, Worth a fortune. My friends, although what life throws at us might be tough, never give up. And to illustrate this, I want to share the true story of Sylvester Stallone to encourage you. As a struggling actor, Stallone was so broke at one point that he sold his wife's jewellery. He ended up becoming homeless, sleeping in a bus station, and struggled to afford food. In the end, he he managed to get a small amount of money in his pocket by selling his dog for $25. Soon after, Stallone decided to take his career in, in his own hands and write a movie role for himself. After watching a boxing match, Stallone wrote the script for Rocky very quickly. And soon studios wanted to buy the screenplay to make the film. Stallone was offered 125 U.S. sorry, 125,000 US dollars for the Rocky script. But the trouble for the studios was that Stallone wanted to star in the movie. Stallone was dead broke and yet turned down $125,000 in order to chase his dream. After being rejected on that idea because he looked and talked funny, Stallone was then offered 250000 for the screenplay. He refused unless he could be the star. He was then offered 350000 He rejected it unless he could star in it. The studio wanted this screenplay so badly, but were not willing to risk the money on this unknown actor. Stallone stayed strong, and eventually the studio gave him a small amount for the script, but let him star. With his fortunes up, Stallone went to buy back his dog but the guy he sold it to for $25 would not sell it back. Stallone offered the man $1,000 for the dog, but he still refused. Eventually, the man accepted $15,000 for the dog. And this is why Stallone has deserved his success and why he is on this list of the best motivational stories because he was willing to do whatever it took to get his dream. Stallone managed on his own, but not everyone has the same confidence and drive as he had. Most people need encouragement. William Barclay in the book Letters to the Hebrews encouraged people to be encouragers. Here's what he said. One of the highest human duties is the duty of encouragement. It's easy to laugh at men's ideals. It's easy to pour water on their enthusiasm. It's easy to discourage one another. Many a time a word of praise or thanks or appreciation or cheer has kept a man on his feet. Blessed is the man who speaks such a word. Battling with a bad habit or a sinful nature can be discouraging when when we fail often. But there are passages in the Bible that give encouragement and I want to share some of these with you. The first is from 1 Corinthians 10.13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you. That's not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you might be able to endure it. At one stage, the Apostle Paul was reviewing his life, including his hardships and especially the wicked things he did prior to him becoming a Christian. He recognised his personal struggles, but was able to say, No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you might be able to endure it. Now, I find this encouraging because we all experience trouble similar to his. And basically, these verses are saying God cares. He cared for the Apostle Paul, he cares for me, and he cares for you. We're going to have a little break and go on straight afterwards. Dr. Francois de Plessis has made this encouraging statement. He said, God is never frowning at you. He is looking at love toward you. Now, don't you forget it. God cares for you no matter who you you are. He gave his life for you. He wants you in his kingdom. He understands the situations you have to deal with. And when you're going through tough times, your pain is his pain too. Well, you might be questioning if that's the case. Why am I still having these troubles and difficulties? You know, I know from personal experience that God has helped me in times of desperation. But there have been other times when I thought I needed his help when it did not come. Was that any reason for me to say to myself, God, you've ignored me, so from here on, I'm going to ignore you? No, that's not right. In these days, there is a tendency to value and respect those who give us what we want. We are attracted perhaps to churches where they meet our needs. We like leaders who meet our expectations. However, it is more honourable to worship, respect and obey God because of who he is, the ruler of the universe, the life-giver, the one who gave everything in order to save us. For that reason, and not just for our own self-serving reasons, we should accept how God deals with mankind. And let's get this straight. We are to serve God because who he is. God is not there just to serve us, right? Although we have special needs, God has a plan for all human beings who are faithful to him. It may not be appropriate for God to fix up our problems just because we think so. Sometimes it might be more appropriate for us to live with a problem to help us develop resilience and, or, more importantly, trust. However, God does have a master plan for everybody who loves him, and that's what I would describe as his grand plan, where he will make everything new, where there will be no more sin, and the problems associated with sin. Revelation 21 verses 3 to 5 explains, and that says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Now I want to ask you, is this encouraging? Or what? My dear old mum, who passed away a little before her 101st birthday anniversary, although mentally was sharp as a pin, in her later years was troubled with an arthritic knee, which was the source of a lot of pain. The Bible verses I just read were a great source of comfort and encouragement to her. She died in her sleep, with the expectation and assurance of the return of Jesus, when she would be resurrected to immortality. What a hope! This is my hope, and it's my wish that it's your hope too. Keep this, th- keep this in mind when things are not going well for you. However, I wish to also encourage you with a statement by the entertainer, Groucho Marx, who had this to say. I, not events, have the power to make me happy or unhappy today. I can choose which it shall be. Yesterday is dead, tomorrow hasn't arrived yet. I have just one day today, and I'm going to be happy in it. And that parallels what the 12th century philosopher Epictetus had to say. He said, it's not what happens to you that counts. It's how you react to it. You can choose to be happy or sad or whatever. The disciples of Jesus were perplexed when Jesus left earth to go back to heaven. We read about this event in Acts chapter 1. Whereafter Jesus gave some final instructions to his disciples, left. Verse 9 says, After he had said this, he was taken up before their eyes in a cloud, and a cloud hid him from their sight. But that was not all. Verses 10 and 11 also say, They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Now these were angels sent on a mission of comfort and of good news. You might remember that at the resurrection of Jesus, two other angels announced other good news. They said, at that time, he's not here. In the grave, they meant, he's risen. At the ascension of Jesus, these two heavenly messengers announced, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken into heaven will come back in the same manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now that was encouragement if ever there was any. But Jesus himself gave a similar message of encouragement, this being not just for those disciples back then, but for God's people of all ages it's found in the gospel of John chapter 14 verses 1 to 3 he said do not let your hearts be troubled you believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This profound promise made by our Lord has been the source of hope and joy for many of God's people. It was my mother's hope. It was the disciples' hope. It was the hope of millions of people who were martyred for their faith during the dark and middle ages of earth's history. It's my hope, and it needs to be your hope too. Christianity has a climax. It will be the return of Jesus when he comes personally to collect all those who've been faithful to him to give them immortality and to take them home to heaven where there will be no more sin, no separation and no disappointment. Is that worth persevering for or what? My friends, I encourage you to stick with the Lord. It will be worth it. And until next time then, this is Lent. Signing off and wishing you God's very rich blessings. Until next time, God bless.
1: So much I'm down to tell you, but you can't bear to hear me now. In a little while, I must move on, but I'll send my love to you. i right.